emotions sometimes are very hard to comprehend and sit with. And it is that difficulty that makes people not to come to therapy. This is In Therapy, stories and conversations about the pursuit of mental health. I'm your host, Nabagazimanzi. Clinical psychologist Annelies Siswano was born and raised Gwazakele, a township in Port Elizabeth, and knew from an early age that he was drawn to other boys. Remember, my one of my first interesting experiences was when I kissed a boy. Like, who? This thing is interesting. And how old is this? I think it was primarily around grade one or something. <laughs> uh, and the boy also responded. And I think at that time he never. I, I would love to see him later in life and see how <laughs> he was a very cute guy at that time. And there's those kind of experiences cultivated the kind of experience that I felt, but I didn't have a name for it. Although Anele did not have a name to describe his sexual identity, that did not stop others from imposing labels on him, which he rejected. You know, Elokshin, being called Imofi, Istabane, Uschuzana. Those words were so hurting and harming because it then reinforced that there's something wrong with you. So for me, to find another name was to run away from the shame and the guilt that I have, I had at the time. And that guilt sat with me until I had to find that alternative name that will be positive and not feel that I am a transgressor or I'm a disappointment. So for me, finding the name was to console myself, was to be was to give myself positive affirmations that I'm still human. And then I, when I got that word in Ricky Lake, that was that show Ricky Lake, and Oprah Winfrey's show, there were used to come gay guys there who would have interviews with Oprah who would look normal. And that's when I then made sense of, oh, by the way, I'm gay. And being gay means you're attracted to other people of the same sex. You're not a woman. Or you're not a girl. And my resistance at the time then was also, I don't want to be a girl. Uh. That So stigma, shame, self-hate, imposed guilt, those were the things that made me run away from that word, oimofi. Then I, I want to find my own way of how I'm going to define myself as a person. Uh. And being gay was the safest word. Finding a way to identify himself was half of the battle for Anele. He kept his sexual identity secret and admits to overcompensating by pursuing girls and later young women. I tried girls. Um, in fact, today my, one of my girls that I had a crush on, we almost dated, um, she told me that she got married over the weekend. Like, oh, wow. I'm so happy for you because at, at res, we, even then at res, though I, I was straight in their eyes, though guys are like, no, this guy is gay. Um, but this girl loved me so dearly. Mm. And 
those ones who were close to us they would have thought that we got married, we would get married. So today when she gets married, like, oh, that could have been my wife actually <laughs> with kids. And by now we would have, yes. have a solid family. Yes. But a part of me then said, no, this is not right. Remember, I did not have a name at that time. Mm. But I knew that something is odd. I cannot be continuing with her. So just as she was about to say yes, because I asked her out for a year, and I said, I think I've got something to tell you. At that time, I had done my research, and I found the word that I'm gay. And I told her. She was so disappointed. And then later, we became friends even till today. I think I've hooked it up with about three guys. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, she met. And whenever she would have heartaches and heartbreaks, she would come to me and I would advise her. I gave her the best gift of myself about being congruent and being honest. I could have led to um, compulsory heteronormativity, um, that you should be a man, despite this odd thing and this wrong feeling that you have but you're still a man you still have genitalia that then describe you as a man but I did the opposite and I told her and I was honest with her that I'm gay and then since then the chapter was closed and we became friends but the transitioning I can tell you one people as much as I talk freely about my sexuality it took a lot of therapies and therapist in the process because I was battling. Um, I was saved when I was 18. That's when this feeling kind of took over. I started wanting to date. Who do I date? Um, secretly, I would go and date guys. But there was still this thing, this is not right. Church, compulsory heteronormativity, society, how it has taught me. Then I, I then had to find a way of being comfortable with myself. So that young boy struggled a lot with terms and coming to terms with his sexuality and who he is and who he was. So now as a psychologist, when I reflect back, I realize one of the things that have always interested me was identity and self-discovery. And once I realized that psychology is also one of the windows that can help me to do that. I then said, okay, let me just do this thing. And it was in my third year, I had a clear understanding of what homosexuality was because we did developmental psychology, different stages of, of, of growing up and developmentally, sexually and otherwise. Then I like, Oh, now I have a clear understanding. Then that's when I started to be free and started to date freely without being caged or without being in the closet. So the psychology training capacitated me to navigate my way of understanding myself as an individual and understanding other people and exactly what I consciously decided that I'm going to give myself permission. And I'm using the word carefully, giving yourself permission, despite what society is telling you. But to give yourself the permission to be congruent, 
to be honest and to live the kind of life that you've always wanted to live. As a psychologist, Anale is interested in sexual identity and the idea of what he calls compulsory heteronormativity, which he mentioned earlier. He defines it as the idea that being heterosexual is the only way of being that society accepts, and society further prescribes what it means to be a man or a woman. In the case of men, Anale tells me that they are expected to be strong, to be providers and protectors, and also expected to dominate. In his therapy practice, he often sees men who battle with these pressures. And whenever a man walks in, Anale tells me he pays particular attention to the language that they use. Language for me is, is, is one of the things that help us to tell stories and to describe how we feel. So if a man then comes to me and say, Yo, Anale, I feel defeated or I feel um, I'm losing it. Those were the words that they, actually they would use. I'm losing it. I'm not in control of it. Not to say, I'm hurting. You see, I'm hurting compared to, um, the, I feel there's something wrong with me. I get it. <laughs> so get there's, it. there's not that full acknowledgement that I'm hurting, especially if, for instance, one comes out of a breakup. It, it will be like, how dare she undermines me and they dismiss the the feeling out of being undermined or okay. out of being left i'm hurt like okay and being hurt means i'm at my most vulnerable state and it does not have anything to do with me being a man it has something to do with how i feel and now you need to be very careful as a psychologist to ask how are you feeling about your breakup? Or how are you feeling about the fact that the doctor has told you you may be having depression? Because depression means you, your emotions, you're at a, a deepest low level of feeling sad. It could be hurt, it could be disappointment. But to give it a name, it then has an element of demonstrating how come do I lose it to the point that I feel this way about what this person has done to me? So the language of emotions is clouded by and is over grand, is over right. And when you sit down, most men are broken. Mm. Um, not only out of relationships, but people you realize some of them have the reality of sitting down and reflecting how come if I became the man that I am? I have a man that I worked with in therapy. His, his struggle was, his partner struggled to, uh, he, she would say to him, I don't find you as emotional, or I don't find you as emotionally available. I don't find you as loving and caring. And this guy says, she always gives me that feedback and I don't know what to do with it. The reason why he said, I don't know what to do with it or how to act on it. He said, I never grew up in a context where love is an expression of everyday language. I never grew up in a situation where I can be intimate. And that frustrated the nature of his relationship because he said, I did not have reference 
of all the things that my woman is demanding, is demanding of me. And he said, up until out of therapy, I began to realize that people have got different ways of expressing their needs. And so I asked you to teach me as to when you want me to be emotional, what do you mean? And the girlfriend said, I will cry. And then when I'll be like, was all right, babe. But at that time, I'm expecting a hug. I'm expecting you to say something. And he says, even for me to hug and do all of this, it's scary because I don't know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And he says, the more I then show you or I showed her that I loved her, the more it felt like I'm going to lose control and what's she going to do with that? So if What she is can, she going to do with that? Or with my vulnerability. Mm-hmm. How if I'm then open to her as a man express how I love her, show the means of love and that you are my woman, she can easily manipulate that or take advantage, take advantage of it. So I have to be a man. Give her 60% and 40% and keep it for me because I'm a man. I cannot afford a woman taking over me. Sure. <laughs> that is deep. Yeah, and, and so those are the kind of things that men bring to, to therapy, even in situations where they come for marriage counseling or relationship problems. It's going to be the woman that talks. And then when you try to assess, um, put it from your side, what is going on? No, she's the one that has a problem, <laughs> <laughs> and she's the actual one who recommended that we must come mm-hmm. here, so she has a better understanding. But when you get to go deeper. You, you, you're able to suss and pick that actually this person is had and they've never had the language and the expression of saying, actually, when you did A, B, C, and D, I felt had. Now, they internalize that and the reaction is I'm going to hurt you otherwise. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a cycle. Now, another interesting um, couple that I saw, actually one, the wife in therapy, her main struggle was emotional inavailability of the husband. And that was partly caused by this man saying, I want you to have the best of good things in life, materially and otherwise, and that means most of the time I'm not at home. So his thinking was, my woman needs all of these things that I think she needs without having asked, and she said, with the little that we have, it's enough for me. But can we see how societal standards force men to be in situations that they do things that they overextend to the degree that they're not present in their relationships? The last time we spoke, you said something very interesting, and I don't know if I'll remember how you expressed it exactly, that... Whenever you see a man who comes into your consultation room Mm -hmm. and talks about having been cheated on, you hold that person with so much grace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wanted you to explain what you meant by that. It speaks to vulnerability and accepting fate because men would never come to therapy when they have broken up with a woman. When they've been the cause. When they've been the cause. Uh, or their decision. 
but when it's done on them, it speaks to who is she? Um, how dare she would do this to me? Then it, it gets clouded by the fact that I'm a man, I'm strong, I'm, I should be taking control, I should be above everything. So if she then leaves me and cheats on me, chances are she no longer loves me. Chances are I'm a weak man. Chances are I'm not a good provider. So it has nothing to do with love most of the time, but it is something to do with the person and the man himself that seemingly I failed you and the failure then reflects on me. So a man who then comes to therapy and say, I have divorced or I've actually signed off the divorce papers and everything else around that, that person is mature enough to realize that I have a problem or it may be a problem that has been identified by someone, but I really want to work on myself so that even in the next relationship, I'm able to see what is my influence because we both influence situations in our relationship. What could I have done differently? What do I need to do differently in the next relationship? But in any case, for any man for me that comes for therapy, that man deconstructs and defiles all the societal norms that if you're seeing a psychologist, then there's clearly something wrong with you or your masculinity. How does it make you feel as a psychologist um, to see a man eventually being vulnerable? Mm -hmm. It's one of the most amazing feelings and like, wow. Um, it, it actually fulfills the reason that we can do something to make people get in touch with themselves beyond gender constructions. You know, um, and, and the funny thing is that with those men who come for therapy, there's a lot of processing that has happened. So it becomes a precious moment for a psychologist to help this person expand their territory of emotional world and to help them to be able to tap into those things. And you realize how early childhood experiences have shaped some men to become the way they are. But for one who has a very deep level of reflection and ability to sit with discomfort and work with the things that they struggle with. By the time they come for therapy, it is asking the question from a psychologist, how do I become better? How do I cope with these triggers that if in the family that a woman was not valued, how then do I value my woman in the way that will speak to her, in the way that will make me become a better man? So those aha moments of men coming to therapy, I use them as spaces of expanding their territory and their trajectory of connecting deeply with themselves and not to superficially address things. If you feel hurt, acknowledge I feel hurt. If you feel angry, acknowledge I feel, I feel angry. Acknowledge that I'm, I'm not 
appreciating the way things are now and that makes me feel sad or unhappy so it is also about cultivating the the congruence with what you feel and what you do and always being mindful of these kind of particular nuances that play out mm. can you say that expression again oh the um emotional repertoire mm-hmm. uh, and the territory mm-hmm. that um you, you just give them hints and ways of how to constantly um get in touch with yourself and being in touch with yourself also meaning self love that which are the things that we struggle as men to love ourselves because we love other people more than what we than what we should be doing to love ourselves we want to preserve that my woman feels loved but how then do you love from a, a point of reserve tank when you yourself doesn't know the concept and definition of love i i struggled with that concept as well of love until i met a partner who knows what is love and what it feels to love and it was the oddest feeling i ever had and 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 it, it took me time to actually um reciprocate that love because for me i thought he needs this and that and that and that and he would always say anela want to ask what you just did for me would you do it for yourself or have you done it for yourself oh like no i didn't like no sometimes i've seen because you have created this impression and and this comes from the provider mentality yes from the that again that being a man i felt that my partner is handsome and in a part of me wanted to do those means of love to keep him um because again you can imagine someone who loves and not loving themselves and actually feeling insecure about who they are in return you're going to overcompensate mm-hmm. so those kind of moments again of loving yourself before you can expect someone else to love you because then again if that person doesn't love you in the way that you expect you become more hurt and that hurt can lead you to do other things and to people and situations that will then make you feel loved and for as long as you still continue feeling unloved for as long as you're going to keep looking for attachments that can affirm that someone truly loves me so i, I suppose that to some degree men struggle and attach the concept of self love to women i'm not talking about men who overpost on instagram and facebook as means of loving themselves <laughs> <laughs> spicy <laughs> but those kind of men who prioritize their physical you know how men are these days about muscles and all of that if if men can invest so much energy in their emotional well-being their psychological culture of being well as opposed to the time and energy they spend on the gym to look good use the very same principle of exercising self discipline self love and cultivating yourself with all the positive energies that you will spend in the ne- in the next 2 hours or in the hours of your gym 
do that emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. And in that way, you become much more alert, you become much more reflective. Even if things happen, you're able to go and see a psychologist to say that something is not adding on. I feel this way. I don't know how many men have you had sisters who talk about, you know what, your male friends, if you ask them, how are you? They'll say, I'm good. But I've gotten to an extent of asking, how is it with your soul? They don't know how to answer that. Even in therapy, like, how, are you, how has been your day? Okay, fine, it's been good. But can we go deeper to actually ask, how is it with your soul? Because the soul involves that which it allows you to connect with yourself mm. beyond the I'm good or I'm fine. Mm. But it actually gets to that point of saying, you know what? I've had a rough day. I've had this experience that has made me feel uncomfortable, that has made me feel sad. That which this person said to me, it made me to feel this way. But we don't use that language because it has emotions. And emotions sometimes are very hard to comprehend and sit with. And it is that difficulty that makes people not to come to therapy. Mm. I was thinking about, in preparation for this interview, I was thinking about the men in my life. Uh-huh. And um, my, my stepfather came to mind. And how the only time I ever saw him crying was in church. And this would happen like almost every time that he requested the song to be sung. Um, and I was thinking about the number of times that he may have felt emotion out of the context of church where it seemed like the, it, it was permissible in some ways to express that mm. sadness and whatever it is that he was thinking about, which he then most likely is not communicating mm. um, and being very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, that just came to my mind and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't seem to have a question. Um, and you see, even when I noted it, I don't know, I don't know where I wanted to go. I think maybe just to comment on that, uh, everybody is an emotional being and we are all emotive. The problem goes to social construction, how we have been raised and socialized. So you can imagine in the generation of your father, they could not have, man could not afford to cry. Man could not afford to dwell and lament on emotions get up and do it um, there's this thing I always refer to in Tabin that indodaikali it's a very painful and excruciating process to be there but the, the danger of what is being done psychologically indodaikali being a man does not cry yeah, sorry a man does not cry the danger is you have this person who has a build up of emotional intensities that by the time it's more like when you shake ginger or coke and you open it it overflows because explosion explosion and then those are the other things that are in influence in violence that one does not have a a, a positive 
way of navigating and negotiating with someone in the context of a conflict. Now, you may have done me wrong several times and I've kept quiet. It takes one incident to mess things up, like that coke that burst out. So with those things that, ah, a boy falls, go, there's no point of crying about why are you crying. So those kind of things get laded in our minds. And so we, we get surprised and shocked when we see our fathers cry, when we see our brothers cry, because it's been made to feel odd. We've been made and accustomed to see that my father cannot cry. And so there was a moment and a glimpse of moments that tell you actually how your dad has his own moments of feeling emotionally overwhelmed. Because a song has an element of touching into our minds, our hearts. It takes us to different emotions and experiences. And if you're to sit with him today and ask him, Dada, when I saw you cry, what was going through your mind? And how did you felt? You would get the emotion. So the reason why one of the reasons why that men don't express these emotions, it's something that is rare for them to acknowledge that it's really happening. Do I really cry and what does my cry signifies? Does it signify that I'm poor, that I'm weak, that I'm, in, I'm not in control of the situation? And again, we need to teach our young boys that your gender has nothing to do with how you feel. And what do I mean by that? By virtue of you being a boy, you are entirely entitled to cry, to feel sad, and actually tell me how are you feeling, because I want to know and understand. When a girl cries, when a girl child falls or something, everybody gives that child attention because we have the assumption that they need to be nurtured and take care of. But when a boy falls or something, I was about right. Oh, my boy, you're going to be fine. Even the crying is short-lived. No, 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 you can't. Just, you're going to be okay. But with a girl, it's going to be soft, it's going to be fine, my girl, and all of those kind of things. But with a boy, it's a different way. So the girl is taught that she has permission to express emotion in that moment when they are hurt. You are allowed to be vulnerable. You are allowed to be soft. Whereas a boy who, who, who cries, um, not even cry, but there are moments where they become emotional and that is being dismissed. Chances are that child would not be able to express how they feel that goes as far as in their adulthood. And that's what actually causes some of the problems that I'm speaking about. Yeah. Thank you so much. If there's nothing else on your end, as a final word, then we're done. Uh, no, I'm okay. And I'm glad that we have had this conversation about man, masculinity, and, and, and mental health. Because for men, mental health is considered as something that is... Should, it's, a, it's, a, it's a woman's issue that for us as men, there's no point where we can be extremely vulnerable. Being vulnerable to situations that take away that power and control that 
enable you to be able to face situations in the way and the manner that everybody would suit. So for a man, there's an expectation that if there's a need to take control, if they cannot, um, it then disempowers them. Really, stats also suggest that most people who commit suicide are men. Um, because of all of the other things that we've expressed and highlighted. So the best possible way for some men is to kill themselves because they don't have to go through the ordeal of emotions and the consequences of whatever that then comes with that. And interestingly, you'll be surprised to see how many men also get admitted in psychiatric hospitals and clinics with severe psychiatric and psychological um, mental health related problems. Tell east from west and breathe, breathe Till the stars remind me this too shall pass, my dear That's it for episode 8 with my guest clinical psychologist Anneli Siswana. Thank you to him for giving us his time. The team is Danika Naidu, my fellow content producer, Noma Litaile works on social media and Spaman Layende is the engineer. If you'd like to send us feedback on this and other episodes, send an email to intherapy at kayafm.co.za. We end off with the official theme song of the podcast, Breathe, by Zasha from her album, Therapy. <laughs>